The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sell Better episode. On today's show, we're going to be covering how to make any cold email personalized and relevant. I'm sure you've all heard before, you got to personalize, you got to personalize, it gets drilled into you all the time. But is it actually relevant? Is what you're sending going to resonate with your prospect? Well, we are going to cover this topic in depth and show you all the tips and tricks to make sure that it does hit home for your prospect and they want to reply back to you. Now, I have my friend here, George. George, what is one thing you're really excited to speak on today? Account-based personalization. It's, it's, I think it's going to change the game in 2023, and I'm excited to share with all of you. Okay. Love to hear it. As always, we love to know where you guys are tuning in from. So go ahead and throw it in the chat. I'm already seeing some people out here letting us know where they're from. Kirsten, welcome from Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's great to have you here. Let us know where you guys are tuning in from. We're usually worldwide. So I love to see it. Julia from New York. I'll be there this weekend, Julia. Love to see that place. It's very cold there right now, though. (laughs) We Jonathan from Chicago. We got Dylan from St. Louis. Welcome, Colin from Toronto, even added the A. Love that. (laughs) Welcome. Love to have you guys here. Sao Paulo in the building. Guys, really quick, make sure your chat is set to everyone. So go ahead and click that blue button in your chat and switch it to everyone. That way we can all see what you post. If you don't do that, we won't be able to see it. So who is today's speaker? We have George Suarez in the building. He is the founder and CEO of openbox.ai. He's going to show you guys everything you need to know around personalization and relevance. Welcome, George. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot for all of you to show up. I'm really excited to talk to all of you today. (laughs) Let's get into it then. So we can't do this without our sponsor, Detective. Special shout out to Detective. Now, they have the drop of the day. They have an incredible blog article break down our topic that we're speaking on. It's going to be speaking on how you can use personalization and relevance. I'm going to go ahead and drop it in the chat. It's a really easy read, really helps simplify things for you guys. So be sure to check that out. Now, what are we speaking on today? We're going to show you all how personalization and relevance go hand in hand, examples of effective personalization, and how you can do the same, and ways top sellers use relevance to make their cold call seem important to the prospect. They want to make sure that they can relate to them. So how can you do that correctly? And as always, we want to know who is in the room. Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs, frontline managers, or maybe some senior leadership? Let us know. This helps tailor the conversation. If I see that there's more frontline managers, I'm going to be asking manager-based questions. AEs, SDRs, I'll be asking SDR questions. So please fill this out, guys, and let us know who is in the room. Now, let's get right into it, George. We want to personalize. you got to have relevance. A lot of people think they're separate. Why do you think this is, and why is it not true? Yeah, I mean, personalization, I feel like definitions of things naturally, words change over time, right? So, you know, when you look at the existing of outreach and sales loft, when they came in, they they created all these new automations that people weren't used to. And that was called personalization at the time where you could put the person's name and the company that they worked in. But essentially they were were just using templates, but now as technology has advanced and, you know, salespeople are getting smarter and and times are changing, we have to adapt and make 
new new differences on how to stand out. So um, really uh, personalization at this point, I feel like it's not really personalized if it's not relevant to the person that you're talking to. I, mm. I always, I, there's this, 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 this lesson that my mom taught me as a little kid, and I'm sure most of you have heard it, right? It's like treat people the way that you want to be treated. Right. So I personally, if someone reached out to me, I want to know, I want to make sure that if they're reaching out to me, it's actually going to make an impact. And what I'm doing, it's not just going to be a random message. That's going to blow up my inbox and I have to delete over time, you know? So why not practice what we preach and, you know, make a difference in people's lives instead of spamming their inboxes. <laughs> I completely understand what you mean. And you want to make sure that your email actually stands out. Now, I want to hear from our audience. I'm seeing here that we do have a lot of SDRs and AEs in the room, even some frontline managers. Love to see you guys here. Welcome. Now, put a one in the chat if you guys have struggled with this before finding something to personalize in your email towards your prospect. I've been there. It's it's a pain in the butt, man. You really got to do a lot of research, figure it out. But sometimes you do all this and it still doesn't resonate. Can you tell me, George, about the importance of relevance? Why is that important? Like you did all the personalization to get their eye. What about the relevancy? Yeah. I mean, in today's inbox, you know, most professionals in general gain over a hundred emails a day. And that's, wow. you know, including like marketing emails as well. So maybe it's something random that they bought at a, a random store like Target, right? So it's important to stand out. And when all the emails look the same, why would they click on it? If the subject line isn't relevant to them or the first line, they're just going to ignore it and delete it as quick as possible. Um, you know, humans really hate the idea of sales in general. People hate being sold to, but what they love is being understood. And when you're, when you make them feel understood and show them empathy and really understand what they're going through, you really build a connection as a human and they want to have a conversation with you. So mm. they're just like bulls, right? When bulls see the color red, they, they can't see anything else, but that color red. So humans, when they see a sales email, they get closed off immediately and they don't want to even click on it. They just want to delete it, right? So if you're able to create a relevant message that gets that speaks to them and makes them feel heard, then you're preparing yourself for a conversation. And in sales, we've learned that everything starts with a conversation. So not everyone's meant to be a prospect. Not everyone's meant to be sold to, but we want to be here to make a difference and make people's lives easier. So that's why relevancy is important. Okay. Now, I want to hear from our audience. Do you guys struggle with personalization or relevance? I saw all those ones in the chat. Now, I want to know the difference. Do you guys struggle with one or the other more? Maybe both of them. Maybe you're wondering, what the heck is the difference? Which I'm hoping we were able to just cover just now. But <laughs> we can go over it again if this is something that the audience cares about. Now, you mentioned something there, George, that really resonated with me, and it's that people don't want to be sold. They want to be understood, right? How can a rep incorporate that into their email so that it shows that they understand them? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of ways, really, but it's, it's mostly understanding the trends, like what's actually going on in society, what's going on in the business world, what's going on in the world of your prospects. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to figure this out. Um, you can look into multiple sources. There's communities that you can join. 
but I'll go more into depth into that later in, in the presentation. Okay. So speaking of which, I know you had some examples for us that kind of breaks down how you can put this into your email correctly. Let's go over that a bit. So here you had a great example of where you go to find your information. Can you tell me more about this? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, the perfect email isn't just personalized. It's an email that's timely and it's relevant. You know, you want to catch people when they need something, when, when you can feel heard, when they're stressed out, when they feel like the world's against them. And, you know, this is a great example of a company that they feel like the world's against them. Imagine being a sales leader and 10% of your staff was just cut off. And also some of your office space, you know, 8,000 people out of a job. Like imagine the stress that's creating in a sales leader's head when they're still having to hit goals because they're, you know, their investment, their VCs are like, hey, we still want to see growth year by year, quarter by quarter. And, you know, they not only that, but they also see the employees that they had and how some of them had to go, how that's affecting the mental health of their current employees that got stayed in. So it's, it's, it's understanding that stress really like what, what do these words mean? And, and, and thinking about it outside the box, like, what does this have effect on people? And then also, I mean, knowing that there's this pressure going on in this economical like downturn is understanding who's in charge of these decisions, who's in charge of making things up and running. So, you know, I found an example on LinkedIn of a sales leader that recently went through a layoff, the same company. I just, I, I, I blocked it off because I don't want to cause any damage more. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're, you're able to, you know, like break down this, this email, you know, it talks about, you know, this, this, this about section. He's a senior technology sales leader and he has a demonstrated record of success building you know, high growth sales organizations, you know, and you can see that his main thing is ensuring that, you know, he can turn around underperforming sales reps and creating high value organizations. And we're going to use some of this information today to create a timely, relevant, personalized email. Okay. So let's break that down because I'm seeing from our poll results here that our audience struggles with both personalization and relevance. Relevance a little bit above that personalization, but it's the both of them together that is the struggle. So can you break down this email for me and show how you incorporated both into the picture? Yeah. I mean, so I'm doing a, a different strategy a lot that a lot of people don't like to use because you know, no one likes to touch negative news. Mm. Um, people feel like you're touching a sensitive subject. So when you do stuff like this, you got to be careful and be intentful, but show that you have compassion of what that person's going through, through their lens, right? So um, I like to use the same language that they use because it makes them feel like you really understand them. So right here, as a subject line, I put build a high value sales organization. If you look at that about section, he talked about how he builds high value sales organizations. So instead of saying, hey, 200% layoffs, you know, like make him feel even worse than he was already feeling. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. continue to build a high value organization. So, you know, I broke this down into four sections to make this easier to understand. Uh, but essentially, you know, the first line of personalization, um, what you want to do here, the reason why I blocked that out is because you want to build credibility. So what I like to do in this situation is go on, you know, an org chart, either through Zoom info or another platform that gives you data to understand how, you know, who's in charge of who, who's manager. 
but using the manager or the, the direct person in, in charge of them to build credibility, right? So it's like X person trusts you, but you know, this part where it says to turn around underperforming sales teams by developing depth of talent, that's personalization. I took that straight up from the about section, but it's also relevant at the same time, as you notice, because it's something that he's known for doing. So it's relevant to him, right? So then I bring it down back to the relevancy step where now we're talking about like what's going on right now that they're probably stressed out about, right? So it's like, hey, notice you recently lost a lot, a large portion of your talent, which is completely true. And then making them feel like they're not alone because it's true. How many companies are laying off people left and right? You know, you're not the only leader working to improve performance while still hitting revenue goals. Because essentially that is their job. So you understand, you make that relevant by understanding their title. Like what is their, their jump functionalities? You're able to find this, you know, if you're not able to find this on their LinkedIn profiles, sometimes you're able to look it up on job postings that are there. You're able to see the job requirements and understand their role more particularly. But, you know, pretty much essentially what we did there was we took that portion of, hey, 10% layoffs. And I know you're probably frustrated right now, but luckily you're not the only leader working on this right now, right? So now we're bringing this back to the value. And the reason you don't see a name of a company on here, like Openbox AI, like it just doesn't make sense, right? Like mm -hmm. I said earlier, people hate being sold to, but they love being understood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is where your expertise comes from, right? So imagine being an account executive or an SDR. You talk to sales leaders all, this, all the time. You start to pick up trends. You start to understand how their mind works, what they're working on. Um, you know, you're able to do this too by joining communities, not to pitch, but really to understand what's going on in, in these sales professionals' heads, right? So what we're doing here is we're kind of pointing them in a direction that we're hearing. You don't want to lie here. You only want to say the truth of what you're hearing. So we say, hey, you know, I know you're still working to improve performance while hitting revenue goals. Leaders are closing the gap of you know losing all that all those hires by increasing efficiency for tasks like cold emails calls and video prospecting hmm. but essentially here what you're doing is like you're aligning them because a lot of these people when they're in stressful situations they can't really think clearly but if you tell them hey other leaders are thinking about this have you considered it now they're going to be considering it and thinking about if they're actually considering that right and essentially you're not really selling um, your product, but you're pointing them in a direction where it's like, is this even like something that's relevant to them? Is Are they even a prospect that I want to sell to? But the whole point of this email isn't to get a meeting. The whole point of this email is to get a conversation going because like I said, humans like talking to humans and knowing that they feel understood. So mm -hmm. with my call to action, instead of asking for a time to meet and being inconsiderate because you know, I may understand a certain surface level of what's going on, but I don't really truly understand what's going on if I'm not in the inside of the organization. So instead of asking for time, I ask a question like, is this in line with what you're working on this quarter? And by doing this, you make them feel like, hey, this isn't about me trying to sell you something. It's about me understanding your situation and see if it's even relevant. And, and essentially, that's why you want to run, bring people to a discovery call, right? But here you're showing empathy, you're building trust, you're, you're building credibility, um, and you're making them feel heard using the same language that they use. So this is a really great example, an, e an email that you can use on how 
to get someone's attention and really stand out. So imagine out of 100 emails, you get one email that's not asking you for time and it actually makes you feel understood. You know, it's just obvious you're actually going to read it and actually take the time to process it. This, this might be an email that might be open more than three times, wow. to be honest. <laughs> this is fantastic. And I can see our audience getting a lot of value from this. Guys, write this down. You want to have the personalization leading into that relevancy. Drop your value point so they feel understood and then go for that interest-based CTA. Now, George, do you find that you're usually including interest-based CTAs on the first emails or do you sometimes do those right for the meeting time, time-based CTAs? Yeah, I always do interest-based for at least the first two or three because we really don't understand their situation until they respond, right? So it's like, how do you really know? So, you know, the whole point of a sequence, from my understanding, I might be wrong, and please correct me if I am, is if they don't respond to the first email, is going to them in a different angle to understand if that's even something they care about. So Mm. using those first two or three emails to see if there's any relevancy in us even talking to them. Now, one point that we had in the first slide was buying triggers. You want to kind of have a gist of, okay, this might be relevant. I think I'm on the right track. What can be a good buying trigger so I know to send this prospect an email in the first place? Yeah. I mean, it's it's different for all different industries, different companies, right? It depends who their ICPs are. Uh, for example, uh, for me, you know, I'm selling to sales leaders. Uh, one, of the, one of the triggers that I look out for is new management. Um, for example, if they're hiring an SDR manager is because they want to train their SDRs to work more efficiently. If they're mm-hmm. hiring more SDRs is because, hey, they're probably off on their revenue goals that they're trying to hit by the end of the year. and They want to accelerate that process. Why are they hiring these SDRs? Right. So it's like to me, I sell a cold email tool that makes SDRs more efficient. Then I'm like, okay, are they hiring more SDRs uh, because they want to create more more meetings, or is it because their current SDRs aren't able to produce those numbers because they don't have the right resources or tools? But as you can see, you know, if for every organization is different, sales enablement teams are able to create, you know, their ICPs and give you an understanding of things to look into. Um, luckily. Um, a lot of organizations could have great intent data platforms like Sixth Sense and Marketo. Um, those are my favorite because essentially you're understanding what your prospects are looking for. Like what companies are they from? Why are they looking like what section in your website are they looking for? So that kind of gives you an understanding of like, hey, this is something that that's on their mind. Like, let me do some research and see how I can connect this to them. I see. Now, I would love to hear from our audience in the, in the chat. Let us know, what is your favorite sales trigger, buying trigger You know, from, from your prospect? Do you use Marketo? Do you use HubSpot? You know, Are you looking at their posts, seeing that they're going through some kind of struggle? Let us know in the chat. I'm very curious to see what you guys have to say on this. So you want to be able to have this data, but where do you go to actually find the research? Because if you want to make things personalized and relevant, got to know where you're finding this information. Where can you find relevancy at the account level, George? Yeah, um, there, there's multiple sources, and this is where it can get kind of overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, there's quarterly reviews, there's earning calls, there's blogs, there's company news, there's interviews from high positions, the CEO when they raise the funding, when you know, they like the example I showed, massive layoffs. 
Um, there's great intent tools like Marketo and Sixth Sense where you're able to see how your prospects are interacting with your marketing material, uh, like your website. So those are some great places to start. One of my favorite places for beginners, LinkedIn, uh, because you're staying in one place and you're not really going to multiple tabs. Um, it's kind of like, you know, what I suggest, it's like, you know, you don't want to put someone to run a marathon if they haven't even run a mile yet. They can get mm. overwhelmed and, you know, burn out. They're like, I don't want to do this ever again, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's good to start from a, from a, you know, beginnings part and uh, see how you can build up that skill over time. Okay. So I'm seeing here in the chat, people are mentioning Yasmin, for example, she likes to use the news. So if companies have news coming out on their channels, use that as a buying trigger to send an email. Um, have you done this in, before in the past, George? Yeah. News is amazing, right? So for example, you know, when someone raises funds, their CEO might talk about how they want to hire more product people to improve their product. So if you're selling a product management product, you're able to understand it's like, hey, why are they hiring this? Like now you start asking those questions and understanding from a corporation perspective. It's like, why should I reach out to this person? I see. Now, right there, you said like hiring, right? How can you point out that observation strategically in an email? Yeah. Um, so for example, if someone's making a hiring, um, let's say an SDR manager, it's like, hey, I noticed that, you know, congrats on, you know, doing an amazing job. Uh, so far, I noticed that you're looking to hire three or four reps. You know, most leaders that I talk to, they're looking to hire more reps because of these three reasons. Is this something that you're facing right now? But mm -hmm. once he tells me if these are three things, then I'm like, okay, well, he just said it's because they need more revenue. Um, their reps, they need more reps to, to hit those numbers. Then I'm able to sell them open box, right? Because I'm like, okay, they're not really hiring more people because they need more, they need, they need more productions because they don't know that there's tools that are more affordable than hiring someone, right? Because when you hire someone, it's a very, it's very expensive. You know, it's not only their base salary, if they're in sales, it's commission. Then there's all the tech stacks products that they have to buy. And then there's insurance. So over time, you know, that, that adds up. So, you know, would an organization rather spend a hundred thousand dollars or $10,000 to increase efficiencies by twice of all their current reps instead of hiring one rep. I see. So I like how you kind of break that down. You see their worry, right? Because it could be very pricey to bring someone else on board. So you want to make sure that all their concerns are covered while uh, introducing your solution, right? It could be very pricey. It could be a very expensive pain point for you. Why are you even hiring in the first place? Uh, these are actually very good questions to ask. And speaking of this, what for your interest-based CTA do you like to use? Do you like to point out the observation? You know, like, is this something you're worried about? Or do you like to be more questions like, is this top of mind for you? What What is this one that you like to go to? Yeah, I mean, it's it really depends on the person, right? It's 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 a, it's a preference thing, a preference thing on what you believe will be the best for you. Um, I like to say top of mind because when you use too much negative things, like, is this something you're worried about? They're like, oh, you don't really understand my situation. Why are you assuming that this is something that I'm worried about? But if you ask them, hey, is this something that you're thinking of? You know, they might say it's like, hey, no, it's not. But now they're not. They don't think negative of you, you know? I see. Now, let's go a little bit more into the obscure places of research. I want to hear from our audience. 
What do you guys like to use if you're searching for research or relevance? Do you use LinkedIn, Google, company statements, or other? Let us know in the chat. Would love to see what you guys utilize to find these pieces of information that you want to use in your email. And George, when it comes to this kind of information, what do you like to use on the obscure side of things? Not necessarily the go-tos like Google, like LinkedIn, which I think is a massive one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of my favorite ones is podcasts. I know I didn't bring Whoa. that up, but the reason why I like podcasts a lot is because it's technically an hour or 30 minutes of someone talking, right? And they're splitting all their, all their good things out there. How you're, you're okay. Check this out. Let me pause really quick. You're able to <laughs> see their, per, they're able to understand their personality, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to see what makes them smile, what makes them upset. You know, what, what are they really interested about? What are motives that they're working on? Um, what are things that they're experts in things that may, they may not be experts in things that they want to learn about. So using those podcasts to really build in a human understanding and take parts of that podcast, you know, like I said earlier, people love to be heard. And when you say, Hey, Adrian, I saw your podcast at JB Sells, and I know you're, you're really excited about this. Like, how do you plan to continue to keep learning about that? You know, I like that. I like that a lot. Now I'm seeing here that people actually use podcasts quite a bit. I I'm very surprised by this. And what's interesting too, is I actually see Zach here say Facebook groups go a long way. Just thought about this. And if you think about the generational gap of who's in the workforce, it would make sense that a lot of the boomer generation is still on Facebook and active, very active. So this could be a treasure trove of information. Uh, Zach would love to see how you find these groups, man. If you could tell us in the in the, in the chat, that would be awesome. Now, how do you go about finding these podcasts? Because you just said podcasts, but how do you find the exact one that they were on that relates to your topic? Yeah, I mean, there, there's certain things like you can use like on Sales Navigator, there's filters, right? So if there's prospects in your accounts that you need, you're reaching out to. Um, there's ways of, you know, getting alerts when they make posts. And, you know, if you're able to see what posts they're making, then you're able to really understand if they're making valuable posts or they're commenting on other posts of topics that they're interested in or that they may be sharing their expertise or they're frustrated with. Um, you're able to see if they share any like marketing material, like podcasts or or news. Um, so that that's that's how I keep track of, of of prospects. Got it. And I'm seeing here that quite a lot of people use LinkedIn for their go to for research, which makes sense. There's a lot of information on LinkedIn. If someone wanted to become a better LinkedIn researcher. What do you do to find these key aspects of personalization? Are there specific parts in a LinkedIn profile you go to? Yeah, I mean, I my favorite one, I'm not going to lie to you, is the recommendations. And okay. the reason why I love it is because every single person that writes you a recommendation or you've given a recommendation to holds a special place in your heart and your career, right? So if someone puts, puts their name on the subject line and the topic that they talked about, like you're going to want to open it just because that person was special to you. But then using that relevancy and personalization, I was like, Hey, you know, this person said, Adrian's amazing at doing X, Y, and Z. Like, Hey, you know, John said, you're amazing at X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you, how do you plan to continue to do that at X organization with this? Mm. You know? So it's using that same information that he loved hearing from his mentor 
and you know using current information that's rele- relevant to what he's trying to do in his position i see and do you use um sales navigator at all to find research information because what you mentioned is available right on the linkedin profile yeah do you use navigator at all so that so linkedin's free right but when you want to go a step further sales navigator has built in a lot of amazing insights that you can take um Mm -hmm. for example like what i said earlier it's like what are prospects are are they posting are they commenting um you know what are what are the prospects that posted in the last seven days in your accounts stuff like that, that you can really use. And technically that becomes intent data. Um, you know, it talks about hiring. It's like, Hey, you know, this company went down by 200% on uh, employees, or they're trying to hire more people in this. They recently hired more senior leaders, but like understanding that data allows you to jump to conclusions kind of to understand like what's going on in that company's brain. I see. I see. Now, Zach here was able to tell us how he finds these fake Facebook groups, right? And he says, we're a VAR for CRMs, marketing automation, et cetera. There are plenty of Facebook groups for individuals who use HubSpot, NetSuite, Sage to ask support questions. So he's looking at support-based groups, which is really interesting. You'll see a common theme of questions and can identify the pain points. Now, what's very interesting is that these groups also exist in LinkedIn, If you guys have never checked it out, look through the groups in LinkedIn. You may find a lot of value in there from people who are suffering from very similar pain points with something that your solution provides relief for. So be sure to check that out. So this brings us perfectly to the account-based research. George, when it comes to account-based research, we covered it a little bit in the past, but is there anything deeper that people can do to find more research around an account? Yeah. Um, the reason why I like account-based research is pretty much doing what we did in that email example, right? We talked mm-hmm. about you know the mass layoffs, but when there's mass layoffs in a company, multiple people in that company are affected by that, right? So mm-hmm. it's really understanding that situation. It's like, once you read that, it's like, okay, what things can this impact that's relevant to our tool that we can help? And then creating like a account-based sequence for them. So imagine doing what we just did right now with that email, but for everyone. So now you're just increasing your chances. Imagine putting 10 people in that sequence and they're all like, wait, we're all getting different emails, but with the same you know, pain point, one of them has to respond. And what that does is that gets the organization talking with each other. It's like, hey, today I got an interesting email about this. Like, what are your thoughts? It's like, oh, that's interesting. I also did get another email from that same person. And he seems like he really understands our situation. Maybe we should talk to him. Hmm. You know, I really like how you're pointing out that you can get other divisions within an organization to talk to one another, because that can be rare sometimes, depending on the on the company. So your email can really act like a trigger for them to work together. Have you seen this work where they actually end up roping someone else into the email chain? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like the strategy that I use in the other email, I put like X person trusts you to do this. Mm. You know, it's like now they're thinking it's like, oh, man, like that. My my boss really is trusting me to do this. I should probably look into fixing this. But then that starts a conversation with his boss. It's like, hey, I know this is a pain that's going on right now. How can we work together and make this possible? So that's how that conversations can, can start going. I this is this is great. I everyone write this down. 
rewatch this segment of the show. I think you'll get a lot of value out of this. Now, if you want to tackle this research, you can do it very effectively with your AE, especially if you're an SDR. What does that ideal relationship look like to you, George? Yeah, I mean, ideally, the SDR position was created to help the AE, you know, close more more deals, be more relevant with their with their output, with their their outreach, right? So instead of doing these mass sends, they created the SDR position to do more of the outreach work that the AE can't can't do if they're trying to be relevant, right? So if you're able to build a strong relationship if you're, if you're AE, they're not just your partner in crime to get to get to your quota. There's someone that they can be your mentor, someone that you can talk to about how you're feeling, someone that can point you in the right direction, but really be your support system, not only for your current job, but maybe even your, your future. You know, if, you, if done correctly, you know, they can be a mentor. They can even be a customer if you end up going to another organization. Mm-hmm. Or they could be someone that can help you transition from that SDR to account executive position. But, um, you know, building a really great team with your account executive, knowing that they're experts in these accounts that are being targeted because they've been in the organization longer than you have, then you're able to really pick their brain and be like, okay, what are things that these ICPs are looking for? Why, are the, why do these accounts work better than others? Like, why, why do these industries work better than others? What makes them actually want to jump on a meeting? What type of research do you currently use to get on meetings? Like what's been successful for you? It's like really understanding that. So then once you know what works for them and it's like, it's like, okay, well, now we know what works. How can we work together to make this a better, a better system using both our heads because two heads work better than one. So being able to team up and really create, like, it's like, okay, well, George, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and I'll take over that, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then let's meet in an hour and let's see what we come up with. And, and the beautiful thing is, right, like that cold email that I wrote, if it doesn't get a response on the cold email, you could also use that same script for a cold call. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, John, I know X person trusts you to do X, Y, and Z. I know you've been having all these layoffs and you're probably really frustrated. How do you plan to do, you know, what, what's, what's, what's on your mind right now? How do you plan to? How do you plan to keep making sure that your employees' morale is it's up and you're getting things done? You know, so it's like now you're making a personalized experience. It's not just a personalized email. And you know, if they don't listen to cold call, you can create a loom video saying the exact same thing. But now you're showing your face, your emotion, and it just really goes really well with each other. With its, with, 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 with each other. So. For all the SDRs reading this or seeing this, do you recommend they just ask their AE for 15 minutes of their calendar time and shoot them a quick invite? They accept it. Go over those accounts that they could really use some help in. Jot those down, do the research, and then work together, build a relationship to tackle them going forward? Yeah. I mean, normally from the organizations that I worked in, we have weekly syncs. Uh, with the AE, maybe it's 30, one hour to start when you're barely starting out and it comes to 30 minutes and then 15 minutes. But in those sessions, you're able to really understand the pulse of what's going on in these accounts and you're able to naturally just ask for help, right? And, you know, the AE is going to be more than happy to make more time if it's going to increase efficiency together. All right. Now for all my SDRs out there, I would love to see you guys put a one in the chat if you want to use some of these techniques to improve your relationship with your with your AEs. And for my AEs, go ahead and put a two if you want to improve the relationship with your SDRs. 
See if you can improve that so you can actually close more deals, take a bit of a weight off your shoulders and get to your common goal together. So one big thing is our Q&A. It's coming up very soon. So if you guys have any Q&As, any questions, please throw them in the Q&A. We have it open. We're going to be getting to it very shortly. So throw your questions in the Q&A. We will be answering them. Now, George, you want to be an advocate, right? You want to make sure that things run smoothly within your organization. How can you show this to everyone? How can you exemplify this and actually implement it? Yeah, I mean, being an advocate, I, I know that there's this thing about work-life balance, and it's it's amazing. And it should definitely be good, right? But if you always, if you want to go the extra mile and stand out, and usually when you do this, it, it positions you in a way where leadership and your teammates are really happy with you. Is it's going that extra mile, right? So maybe it's joining those those communities, like you know, someone mentioned earlier, they join Facebook groups. Maybe mm-hmm. it's going on Reddit. Maybe it's going on Quora. Uh, maybe it's going on Twitter. Maybe, you know, there's, it depends on your, your ICP, right? But going into those groups, not to pitch, but to understand how your prospects are thinking. Um, so you can, you know, have more engaging conversations through cold calls, videos, or email. Uh, maybe it's going into LinkedIn communities and understanding what other salespeople are doing. What's, where are they having success with? What are they not having success with? Um, how can you leverage that knowledge and like see what's working at other organizations? Maybe it's becoming an advocate. Maybe it's joining a trial of a tool that you think looks cool. And you're like, oh, wow, like I tried this for a week and it made me get an extra meeting. It's maybe helping your SDR manager be aware of that tool and say, hey, you know, John, like this really worked well for me. Do you think you can look into this so we can have it in our, our organization? Um, so it's, it's stuff like that. It's just being an advocate for yourself and, and standing out and, and making a difference in the organization without people asking you to. You know, one aspect of this that I really like is it shows that you care, right? Exactly. And I think that goes a really long way in how people perceive you within your organization, just showing that you care. Now, do you recommend that they do this through email, maybe a Slack message? How can you bring up a new idea to someone in your organization? Yeah, I think the best way of doing it is by showing action. Um, for example, when I worked at a company, uh, my last company that I worked in, not not many people were using like Vidyard or Loom videos. And one of the reps just, you know, downloaded one of their free premium product and just started creating videos. And then once he got a meeting off there and then a second meeting and the third meeting, he posted those videos in the Slack channel. It's like, hey, I just got three meetings off these videos. We should look into this. But now you're coming in with action, showing how it worked, and you know you get the organization excited to want to learn more about it. This is great, great to see. And I'm I'm actually seeing that our Q and A has some some questions in it. So let's just get right into it. Monica here asks: first three or four emails are interest based. Can you share what emails two through four might look like? The ones that aren't interest based, I guess. What, what what do you believe Monica believes by interest based? Can you can you explain that a little bit further, Adrian? Yeah, so I'm thinking she means her CTA would be something like, is this something top of mind? So I think what she's looking for is, and then how do you switch it over to, hey, you should meet with me? Yeah, I mean, if someone isn't responding, like maybe it's a bump email. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes people are really busy, and I've seen this work where someone takes the time to craft this amazing, beautiful email. But it doesn't even get read. It's like sending a bump email. It's like, hey, um, 
James, like I took, I took a long time to write this for you and did a lot of research. Did you get the chance to see it? But you're not lying, right? Like it's not like you send a template and then they read it and then they get mad at you because they, you took, you move them to go watch it. But it's like, Oh, like someone took the time to understand my situation. Yeah. I'll go read it. Mm. And then they will reply to you. It's like, Oh, this is not of interest or, Hey, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm dealing with this. So using bump emails, I, I would use. So it's like I would write three really good emails that are personalized, interest-based, and then use bump emails to bump those those emails that you you personalize with. I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah. And I think what she's looking for, what kind of CTA do you then use for great? Sounds like this is top of mind. Would do you normally go for do you have 15 minutes to chat? Yeah, you know, you know, if they said something like, Hey, you know, yeah, I'm dealing with this. It's like interesting. Yeah, most leaders I talk to, you know, you're not the only one like reinstating again. It's like, hey, this is something that's going on. I, you know, I've I talked to you can bring up a use case. It's like I just talked to X leader and then they were dealing with the same thing and I helped them do X, Y, and Z. I, I feel like we could potentially do the same thing for you. Are you interested in jumping on a meeting and see how we can help? Fantastic. Now, Josh here asks. How much time do you dedicate to crafting the perfect personalized relevant email? Yeah, well, it's it's different for everyone, right? Like the first time I ever wrote an email, it took me forty five minutes, and I even know why to any of you. And it's just because it's it's overwhelming, right? You get writer's block, you don't have the confidence to write it, and then you're like, wow, you know, I should have just done cold calls because it takes too long, right? But I feel like the perfect time that you should spend allocated to is five minutes. It's putting a timer. And saying, hey, I'm not going beyond this. Like, and that teaches you not to overthink situations and really understand the, the information you use. Um, I feel like I'm cheating because I eat my own dog food. You know, my tool generates in like less than 10 seconds, and then I'm able to take the best sections that I like. But if you're not using a tool, I recommend to put a timer of three to five minutes and I go over that. Got it. Got it. Okay. So at what point do you set the boundary? Like, let's say five minutes, I'm in the middle of writing it. Do I stop or do I just think of a shortcut here and be like, okay, let me just wrap this up instead of keep trying to go down this rabbit hole. Is that what you do? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good, that's a good advice because writing and, and talking are different. It uses different parts of the brain, right? You can, you've talked for most of your life, but you don't really write all day, right? So it, it, it sometimes taking a break from it, you can come back. And be like, oh, like I didn't really think about this. I can do it, but I just wouldn't go past like the second time. Like it's like, you know, maybe the prospect like you found isn't the right prospect. They don't have the right information. But normally, you know, having some sort of list of like what things do my prospects care about? Can I find that? If I didn't find it, move on to the next person. Okay. And lastly, we have an anonymous attendee asking, the product we sell is very expensive. Considering the market we're trying to sell to and competitor pricing, how can I advocate for it when they ask about pricing and are shocked or to avoid them feeling so shocked right away slash being disinterested? Yeah. I mean, is this something that you tell them about pricing in the cold call or you tell them pricing in the email? Mm, That's a valid question. I think pricing would... Because if they're doing that in either or, you normally don't want to do that at all. Because mm-hmm. your job, if you're an SDR, your job isn't to sell the product. It's to sell the meeting, sell the value, sell the interest of someone being interested, right? Then your account executive will do that for you. They will go in there and say, they will prove the value, maybe create some Excel, 
where it shows them how they're saving time, how they're generating more pipeline and how that pipeline converts. So when they do that, you know, $100,000 and compare that to 10,000 costs, it shows a high ROI. They're not going to mind spending $10,000. It's going to make them an extra 90 K. So yeah, I hope that that answered your question, but if it's a cold call or a cold email, you know, you don't even have to lie. You can also say, Hey, you know, I'm here to set the meetings up. I'm not really allowed to talk about pricing, but I'm more than happy to connect you with my, my, my account executive, who's an expert and help you understand your situation. Great idea. Really focus on that ROI as well. If you're on the AE side of things, ROI. So that way they know the value and the price tag doesn't even seem that big once they see what it can do for them. Now, George, I'd love to ask, where can the people find you? Yeah. You know, my LinkedIn, of course, uh, I'll drop, I should probably drop that link in the, in the bio, huh? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'll do that. And then, you know, my email, George at openboxai. If you guys want to learn more about cold emails, you can. I'm also releasing a freemium version of my product that writes emails for you next month. So if you want to access that message, me, I'll give it to you just for showing up today. Um, but yeah, that's where you can reach me. Fantastic. Now. All right. Well, this brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for everyone to for joining. George, thank you for joining us. This has been fantastic. And of course, follow us on LinkedIn at Sell Better by JB Sales. We're always dropping value. If we haven't gotten to one of your questions, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be answering them at some point. So please don't be a has don't hesitate to reach out. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace out. Thank you. Take care. Bye. <laughs>